0: Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Pastor Rob Ginter and Farmdale Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at farmdalebaptist.com I was walking through the hallway this morning and I heard a, a coughing fit in my house. And it just so happened that our uh, it was one of our children and one of them was asleep and the other one was coughing and names have been changed to protect the guilty but let's just say that when the other one woke up the coughing stopped <laughs> figure that out right i'm not the smartest i'm not a doctor Um, but for some reason one of them coughed until the other one woke up and then they were all better and they haven't coughed since. Somehow the other one waking up just cleared their throat. So I had a serious discussion with the coffer and when I was talking to that coffer, um, you know what I did? I called their bluff and I said, admit it, come right out and say it, that was a fake cough. That wasn't real. And after three rounds of something like that, the cougher admitted, after dropping their head, it was a fake cough. It was a fake cough. And how we figured that out was I called the coffers bluff. So I don't know what kind of gambling experience we have in this room. My gambling experience is limited to Kenny Rogers songs. You know what I mean? I know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. That's the, that's the limits of my gambling experience It's Kenny Rogers. But what happens in that is there's something, you you all know this, right? If, If you call someone's bluff, you say, I know what's going on. Put your cards on the table. Because you think they're being deceptive. So I call the coffers bluff. And here in James chapter two, he calls our bluff. He says, you say you have faith, put the cards on the table, and show it. That's what this passage does. You make a claim, you say you have faith, I'm going to call your bluff. I think some, some of my audience, James says this, so some of our audience here is bluffing. Somebody's bluffing. They're claiming to have faith, and the faith isn't genuine, so he says, show it. Put your cards on the table. That's what he does here in the text. So the question he's addressing, is addressing uh, and we'll get to it in a minute, is not, are you made right with God solely by faith in Christ? He's not addressing, are you or are you not? That's not what he's addressing. The question he's addressing is, someone can someone be pronounced right with God and actually have faith? In the, the God that created them, and ma, by making their life solely about the Lord Jesus and what he's done, and that faith not produce any change towards God or man. James says, no, you're bluffing. When you put your cards on the table, it will be a changed life towards God and your neighbor. That's what it will be if your faith is genuine. To put it like we put it last week, only faith in Christ that changes your life can save your soul. Only faith in Christ that changes your life will save your soul. So James asked the question, what good is a claim of faith in Christ that doesn't do anything to you? Can it alter your eternal destiny in one, <laughs> one iota? And he answers it, no, no, it can't. It can't do that. He gives us an example a guy or girl in the church comes in lacking food and daily clothing. You wish them well, you give them advice and tell you to t- tell them to take care of it themselves. The person who does that, he says, has, that is evidence that they have an illegitimate claim on Christ if you're going to live like that. Because if your faith is real, you meet needs. That's what we saw. You meet needs. Then he gives us a picture of demons with really good theology. Nine out of 10 dentists can't agree, but 10 out of 10 demons do agree in their theology. And then they believe in God. And they just so happen to be terrified of him. Terrified of him. So for those the- theologically correct demons, we learned that if your faith is real, you more than believe. It's more than having... Good head knowledge and theology. So you meet needs and you more than believe. So it's meeting needs, but it's more than meeting needs. It's believing. It's meeting needs and believing, but it's more than meeting needs and believing. It's more than that. Two more steps forward, he goes. Two steps further of evidences of legitimate faith by the lives of two individuals. And you go, what kind of individuals? Well, one of them's a patriarch and the other one's a prostitute. That's the pictures that we are going to see today. And he says here, beginning in verse 20, do you want to be shown? Key word, do you want to see it? You want to see that faith without works is useless, it's dead? Let me show you. So let's look at James's pictures, beginning in verse 21. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works and faith was completed by his works. So when you hear a verse like this and you have knowledge of the scriptures, alarms start going off in your head. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yes. I've seen that before. I'll stop the alarm. I've seen that before. Doesn't this say something that Completely opposite of what it says elsewhere. I'll give you example, Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Doesn't Paul's whole chapter prove that point? And doesn't even he use the example of who? Abraham. So James and Paul both say things and point to Abraham. So one big issue with the argument that we need to understand between Paul and James are both trying, we need to understand what they're trying to do with what they're saying. What are they trying to do? For example, when Paul writes in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When he writes that your salvation is not of your works, do you think that he imagines that someone could have faith in Christ and go off and live however they want to afterwards? Do you really think that's what he's saying here? That, they're, uh, that they have received grace from God, they've opened the gift, and that doesn't result in their life being any different. Do you really think that Paul believes that? Of course he doesn't, because two verses later in Ephesians 2, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So do you see what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 2? He's saying you're saved by grace through faith. That's a gift right there. It results, that gift results in good works that you ought to be walking in. You're created for it. So he absolutely believed that you were saved only by God's grace towards you, right? Initiated by God, given by God, you received it. And that changes your life. See, James and Paul were addressing two different issues. Paul is confronting the individual who brings his resume to God and he says, look at my works. And God says, by faith alone. No, no, I'm not interested in your works. I'm interested in Christ's works. You're receiving Christ's works. So take your resume, throw it in the trash. Go back to the elevator. You're going to the smoking section. Depart from me, I never knew you. Don't show up here with your resume. Your resume is no good here. I don't care about your work experience. I, can, I care about Christ's work in your place for your sin. That's what Paul's addressing when he speaks on the subject. Now, James is not addressing that issue at all. James is addressing the issue of uh, the church member who comes in and sits down, doesn't do anything else, and you press him, and you go, "Are you really a Christian?" And they, they get up their Bible and they go, "Yeah, see, look look at this. I'll go to the beginning. There's a date when I walked an aisle, and it's right here. And I prayed a prayer, and I put the date right here in the Bible where I prayed that prayer. I am a Christian." Look at the date. See, that's who James is addressing. The person who goes, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I get a claim and a date when that claim was made. But then they get up from the altar and they live the same. They live the same as they did before, the prayer and the date. They wasted ink in the front of their Bible. Maybe they had their pastor sign the bottom of it just so they felt better about it. Go get it notarized. Still won't help. Still won't help. That is the person he's addressing. He tells that person right here, You're made right with God by a faith that works. And we really do see that connection here because he's saying, Do you have faith? Oh, okay, you, you do well, let's see it work. Let's see your faith work. He's not saying, are you good enough? He's not saying, are you good enough? Are you working hard enough? That's not his question. He's saying, do you have faith? Oh, okay, you do. And let's see it. I'm gonna call your bluff. You say you got faith, let's see it work. What's it do? How does it treat your neighbor? How how does it approach God? How does it approach your neighbor? Oh, you live the same and you, you make all your decisions based on your own wisdom and your years of experience. Okay, well, you're not a Christian then. That's how that works. Because faith that works, works. A faith that works, works. That's the point he's making here with Abraham. Abraham's faith was completed by his works. You always have to have both. Tom Schreiner points out, faith alone justifies, but only the kind of faith that inevitably produces good works. That's the kind of faith. The example he uses is Abraham. What's he say about him? God told him to go and sacrifice his son on the altar. So what did he do? He got the knife, rope, and rose to do it. That's what he did. We know the rest of the story. God didn't really ask him to do that completely, fully and finally. Genesis 22.1 says, after these things, God tested Abraham, right? So the potential sacrifice of Isaac was a test. And what did it reveal? Genesis 22.12 says, he, he says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For, I know, for now I know, now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So do you notice what happens here in the verse? He says, now I know seeing this. Now I know seeing this. So, in other words, God was able to know the status of their relationship by what he could see. Now, the funny thing about God is that we know that God knows all things, the end from the beginning. But what God did through Abraham, now everybody could see. Now, everybody could see it. In fact, that's kind of what James says here. Let's see it, bro. Come on. Get up. Climb the mountain. Let's see it. I want to show you that right there in the text. You notice, uh, verse, so let's go back to James. James chapter 2, verse 20. Do you want to be shown? You want to be shown? You foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Do you want to be shown that? That's what he says. Verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works. Put your cards on the table. Let's see it. You want to be shown how silly it is? Well, let's see your faith. That's what he's saying here. So God intervened. The seeing wasn't really for God. It really was for us if we look at at the whole thing of the scriptures. So what we can do is we can point to his work and see that his faith is alive. And that's the point that James repeats over and over again. So only a faith that changes our life can can save our soul. And you look at Abraham, and here's the evaluation of it in verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So if your faith is real, you meet needs, you more than believe, and you manifest affections. That's what we see here. That's the result of this. He's called a friend of God. Now, we've broken this down into two weeks, just so it's not a two-hour sermon. You're welcome. But I, I don't want us to miss the immediate comparison that James is making in the text. So if we just preach this straight through, he showed us the theologically correct demon. That was our last picture that we looked at. That's where he goes, you've got to more than believe. can't just be believing. It can't just be right doctrine. You've got to live. Let me show you. Abraham, God told him this, and if he was a demon, he'd shudder, but he didn't shudder. He obeyed and he's a friend of God. So that's why this whole thing is called getting, is basically helping us get off the level of a devil because what is the level of a devil? It's all up here or it's a claim on paper. That's all it is. If you have real faith, you really love the Lord. You obey and you love Him. That's what it is. Not can you beat everyone else in Bible trivia. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. But do you love God? Do you love God? Now, this may be too old for some of you all and too young for others. I'm right there in a, in a, at a certain age. But there was something called MySpace. Does anybody still have a MySpace? It's dead. MySpace without users is dead. That's what James would tell you. Anyway. Man. So, if you were on MySpace, it was a social media network in which that you had a top eight, I believe. So, basically, you go in and... You have your profile and on it, you could put, these are the eight people I like the best in the order that I like them. And so you put it on the internet, these are my favorite eight people and these are, this is the order that I like them in. And you were like looking at your friends lists and if you were number five today, but number six tomorrow, then you contacted that person, you're like, hey man, what's going on? Is everything okay? Why? Oh, I've just. I just want to know if you're all right. Like, you know what I mean. Like, but 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 here's the thing. What's true of Myspace? Everybody who joined the platform had one friend in common. Do you know who he was? Tom. His name was Tom. And if you joined this website, you automatically had to be friends with the creator of the website to actually have a profile. You couldn't delete Tom. You couldn't get rid of Tom. Tom was always there. And then Tom sold that thing and he's rich. Good for Tom. Be like Tom. Be friends. But here's the thing. If you were actually on it, then you had to be friends with Tom. If you actually are trusting in Christ, you're friends with God. You're a friend of God's. You're automatically a friend of God. You have affection for God if you're really in it. You're friends with him if you're real. That is true of every Christian. Nobody goes in and goes, you know, I really don't love God, but I'm a Christian. That's not a thing. That's not a thing at all. But what James would tell us is live like you love God. And that will prove, it will show that you're really a Christian. Live like you love God and actually have affection for God. The demons believe that God is one and they're terrified by his existence. The person person with true faith isn't repulsed by God. They don't want to run away from God. They want to draw near to God. That's the real one. So everything comes down to this. Are you a friend of God's? Are you a friend of His? Do you love Him? Because there's going to be so many people, so many people who are making the claim, I am going to heaven and by extension going to be in the presence of God forever. But right now, I care very little about him. You see the problem there? Now, nobody would really admit that. I'm just saying we live in that reality. That we make this claim that we're going to be forever in God's presence. But we don't really care enough on this side to do things for his church, his name, and his causes in the world. We care very little about those things right now while we claim to, be with, to want to be with him forever. That calls us to an account. That's what it does. So the question from verses 21 through 24 is do you love God? Do you love him? But right now, are you ignoring them your whole life, banking on a painless utopia in the future? I don't think so, my friends. That's, that dog won't hunt, that won't work, that faith is dead. And the people bring and James continues. He brings up here a second person in the second half of this passage is a corrective to the first. First, Abraham was the opposite of the demons, right? So you got these demons who know things and they don't love God. And we got Abraham who hears things from God and he obeys and he loves. So he manifests affections. And then there's this other person in verse 25, Rahab. And in the same way, so this is along the same lines, was also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. So, interestingly, James make the, makes the point she was justified by her works when she received the messengers. That's what he's saying here. But the writer of Hebrews 11, Pastor Jonathan read earlier, says this about her in Hebrews 11:31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So this is going all the way back to the Old Testament to Rahab to show us that she was friendly to the people of God and she put her life on the line for them when the spies went out to look out at her city. You see how she's the exact opposite of the person we started with here? Somebody comes in in need that you don't know, or maybe, or that, well, actually, it's a brother or sister, he says. And he says, can, can you say that your faith is real if you won't take care of those people? No, you can't. The evidence is that your faith is dead. So here's, uh, this is not original to me, but here is a table for us of faith towards God and work towards man. So let's go back to where we started. The needy church member, this is how we treat men and women. Problem is, if we don't treat them like this, this is evidence that our faith is dead. That's towards man. The second one, the believing demons, how they treat God. They believe God and they shudder. They're terrified at the existence of God. And then Abraham, how he treats God. He obeys God. He listens to God. He loves God. He's a friend of God. And then Rahab, again, is the corrective for how we treat each other. In verse 25. Rahab is the corrective of what should have happened when somebody comes in in need, you take care of them, you meet needs. So that you meet needs, you more than believe, you manifest affections, and you make sacrifices. You make sacrifices. That's what she does. Notice Paul's goal when we were talking in this discussion, is to show us how a person is saved. James shows us what a person's life looks like who actually is saved. See the difference. Paul says this is how it works. James says this is what it looks like. Paul's like, this is how it works. And James says, this is what we see. This is what we see. You see that in the text. You want to be shown? This is what you see. James is talking about what we see, and what we see here is somebody making sacrifices. Second example there is Rahab. She put her life on the line for these Israelite travelers, and this is the exact opposite of somebody who refuses to be inconvenienced by the needs of others. Rahab refused to go that route, and she made sacrifices. James gives her the title. She has everywhere in the scriptures. She is a prostitute, so she is not a patriarch. She can't go back to God telling her to come out of Ur of the Chaldeans. She doesn't have this religious background in history. She had evidently heard of the God of Israel and obeyed Him. That's what she did. So, how do I know that I'm in Christ? What should I be seeing? What should I be looking at? Well, Rahab tells us that you should be able to point to sacrificial obedience somewhere, somewhere along the lines. Sacrificial obedience to prove that you're not bluffing about your claim of Christ. So you can't think of the last time you... In obedience to God's word made a sacrifice on the behalf of somebody else? Question mark. That's a question mark about whether or not you're really a Christian. Question mark. Draw your attention to that. Search your heart. Think through that. Abraham was justified when he offered up his son Isaac in what? What? sacrifice. Rahab sacrificed her life because she'd be dead with along with those spies if she got caught. They both were shown to be right with God by what they sacrificed. Rahab sacrificed for the messengers. Both of them show us either way that we are called to show our faith, to put our cards of good works, obedience towards God, love towards our neighbor on the table. Put those cards on the table because here's James summary in verse 26 for the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. So let's take the biblical people out of the way and just use the physical example. That's the last picture he shows us in this portion. So just if God forbid, if your soul right now was sucked out of your body, what would you have left? A corpse. That's the answer. A corpse. Right? If first if your soul left your body right now, you would have a corpse. That's what you'd have. So if, if you have faith, works is sucked out of it, no works. What do you have? Dead faith. Dead faith. So there's a claim of faith. They can compare, compare to a dead body. But here Abraham and Rahab both show us that faith does something. It does something. It works. Dead body faith does nothing and does not affect your eternal destiny in one way at all. Only a faith in Christ that changes your life will save your soul. And if that faith is real, you meet needs. You more than believe. You manifest affections, and you make sacrifices. That's what you do. And all those things, meeting needs more than believing, manifest affections, making sacrifices, those are not things that save you. That's not it. God's not asking you to work harder and make sacrifices to be right with him. James isn't telling you to trust in your works. He's saying, make sure you have them. Make sure you have them. He's not telling you trust in your works. Make sure they're there. Make sure they exist in these ways. That you meet somebody's needs and it's more than, a, more than good theology and it's love towards God and sacrifices towards your neighbor. Like this is the direction that your life's going if your faith is real. And you go, well, what about the thief on the cross? What about the thief on the cross? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. and He believed. Let's say he was let down from the cross. This is what his life would have looked like or his faith was dead. See that? We we go to the thief on the cross and we go, see, all it is is just mm, trusting in Christ. Absolutely. And, that, and I mean, he is in, in paradise, right? He is in heaven with God, God and his son and the Holy Spirit. Like, he is, he is there. But by God's grace, this isn't a deathbed thing for you. It's a life-lived thing for you. And James is saying, this is what the life that's lived looks like. It's what it looks like. If you're not a Christian, we're not saying that you need to do better, try harder. We're saying that you need to turn from the way you're living your life because you are headed in the wrong direction and that you need to turn towards God. And and the only way you turn towards God and go to God is through his son. There is but one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He lived the perfect life that God required of you. He did all of the things that God required and lived the way that God was pleased with. And he pleased God with the way that he lived. And he died on the cross as a sacrifice and a payment to God. He paid for our sin. He took everything we've done against God upon himself, dying on the cross and rising on the third day. And when we face God, we will not be saved by our works. We will be saved by Christ's works alone. However, what we see here in James is proof that we're actually going to be finally saved on that last day. And that we are not bluffing about our claim in Christ Right? The only works that please God ultimately and finally are the work of his son. Mm -hmm. But right here in this text, this is what proves that we really have faith in the son. So put your cards on the table today. Look at these four things. Do you really believe? These are four ways to tell if you really do. If you really have faith that works. This is what it is. And if you're not a Christian today, repent and believe is what Jesus came preaching. That means turn from yourself and trust, make your whole life about him. And if you make your whole life about him, he will change your life. If you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That means you, you bring all, all your junk to God of all your rebellion and he will wipe it away and he will change your life. And when he changes your life, this is what you begin to look like. This is what you begin to look like. So the trouble is when we, we think about our works, we put our cards on a table, we are tempted to be discouraged by the, st- the high standards of Scripture. Because most of the time we just hang out with people that are like us and we compare ourselves to them and normally if they're too good, we'll find someone else to compare ourselves to. We hang out with people and go, that one's too good, I'm not gonna, no, not her. I would rather compare myself to someone else. So you find somebody else to compare yourself to, and you feel better after you do it, right? (laughs) But on our best day, on our worst day, don't be discouraged. The work of Christ in your place for your sin is the overarching work that matters. Don't be discouraged if you don't see these things like you want to see these things. If you're really a Christian, you will make progress. You're, you're making progress in these things. You're making progress. Not perfection, but progress. So get with somebody who you trust, have these conversations with, like the, have these spiritual conversations of like, I, I don't see the works in my life that I want get an encourager, right? Get get somebody who's like, I I see God in you in these ways. That's so helpful for us. But at the same time, look at these verses and see if you really are meeting needs. You more than believe and you're manifesting affections. You're making sacrifices on behalf of others because you trust in Christ and you want to be obedient to his commands. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. We face it. And we face it, and we go to God in prayer, and God is for you. Christian, God is for you. He wants you to succeed in these ways. There is hope for you. James writes this stuff so that you repent in these ways. And so the the brother or sister comes in, and and you go, on your way. (laughs) And you walk away, and you go, oh, no. Oh, no. And you change. That's repentance. That's repentance. Doing a whole lot of talking, a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine, not a lot of living. You go, oh, no. And you repent in these ways. And you question, you, you see the love of God being crowded out, and you go, no, absolutely not. And you repent in these ways. And you're all for people signing up to make sacrifices for you. You're all for it. And you see somebody do it and you go, no, I, I want to make sacrifices in obedience to God on behalf of my brothers. Just like Rahab. I want to do that. And you repent in these ways. That's why we have these words. They are not words of condemnation for the Christian. They're not words of condemnation. No, you still have breath, you still have hope. You can repent in these ways. And by God's grace, and through prayer, you will. But if you're not a Christian, and all of these things are missing, and you're making a claim, you are bluffing, and you will be condemned before God. Repent in this way. Believe the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the good news. Of what Christ did to work in your place that you could not work for yourself. Turn and live. And live like this. That's what James is saying. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your scriptures and how good you are to us all the time. Let these let, let us not be condemned and, and paralyzed in discouragement. But Father, let this be words of hope. That these are ways that we can change. And because we're genuine, we will. We will live like this. So Lord, we pray, because you're powerful, make us live like this. Do this in us. You're so powerful, so sovereign, bigger than we can imagine, better than we can imagine. Do this in us. Till where our lives are conformed to the image of your son. Jesus name. Amen.